All right, guys, what's going on? It is 3 p.m., just after 3 p.m. on Friday, January 14th, and we're going to do a weekly wrap-up. Uh, so I think this is my fourth episode now. Um, going to be consistently, like I said, doing these every week. Uh, ideally, we'll, we'll fit maybe one or two more throughout the week, um, but I'm, I'm just starting to sort of get comfortable uh, fitting this in as I do right now. Um, so just to introduce myself real quick, uh, I know people are, are just starting to hop in. Uh, my name is Ryan, also known as Cantor and Clark on Twitter. Uh, this is a show where we could basically just talk about anything. You know, I don't want it to um, get too stuck in any one particular topic. You know, you guys have a chance to come on here and, and ask questions about um, anything that I do that you're interested in. We could talk, you know, what's taking place uh, with alts, with BTC. We could talk technicals. Uh, we could attempt to talk fundamentals. We could talk about what's taking place in the macro. Uh, we could talk. We could take. We could take the conversation anywhere. I don't want it to be um, just, uh, you know, the same sort of monotonous one subject uh, call in each week. So that being said, uh, just as a reminder, none of this is financial advice. So if we do talk about, you know, if we do get into specifics, and we talk about specific pairs, or we get into detail with regard to um, trading, just remember that this is you know, purely you know, looking through my lens, um, entertainment purposes only, right? And uh, don't take anything from here and, and allow it to immediately influence you to either hit the, uh, you know, smash the, the buy button or smash the sell button. So uh, it is Friday. Um, so we are going to do a, a bit of a weekly wrap up. But I, I do want to, like I said, leave this one um, open to you guys. Now, I the last few I've done, they've run around, uh, I think, like an hour and a half. Um, these will be recorded. So for those of you that are, uh, you know, showing up late or you, know, you can't tune in, uh, they will be available for you to, to listen to online now. So right now, the call-in platform, um, you know, and I went over why I prefer to use call-in. Um, right now, the call-in platform is only available to users who have iPhones. So that obviously will be adjusted. Um, they will be catering to Android users, users as well, but <clears throat> for the time being, it is an iPhone only uh, application. And I don't have a problem with that because Apple makes fantastic products. And I actually just bought, this is quite interesting. Uh, I've been using um, Apple forever now, but I actually just bought my first Android about a week ago. Um, I wanted to check Android out. There's a particular application that I wanted to use. Uh, so I, I bought an Android and, and added that line. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get it started. Uh, like I said, the last one we did was like an hour and a half, but I, I have to keep this one not short, but shorter. So anywhere between you know, 45 minutes to an hour works for me. So so a couple of things um, just to go over, obviously, really quickly, you know, we see that markets are <clears throat> crypto market right now is up. Uh, just looking back on the week, crypto market is up around 5%. Um, you know, BTC bouncing off of the lows. Uh, we see that there's a significant buy presence on FTX. And, you know, while the limit order book <clears throat> or the, uh, passive player. So, you know, what is advertised in the bid and the ask? Well, a lot of the times that can be um, manipulative or false advertising. 
it does seem like there is some nuance uh, to pay attention to or, or to consider. And one of the, I guess, more important details is um, when that stacking takes place on FTX, because we've seen that on FTX, it has been uh, at least actionable in the short term. So what I mean by that is the, the bid wall, I think, was you know, in excess of uh, probably like 1500 BTC, you got to think that 500 BTC at, you know, 42,000 is what, $22 million. So, you know, do the math. Um, not, and I say this from time to time, it's like, when you see, a, you'll see people share like a heat map um, and it'll be, you know, uh, 500 BTC in the bid or 500 BTC in the ask. And, you know, I, I don't want to make light of, uh, you know, large amounts of capital, but after a two-year-long bull market, there's a lot of people that have <laughs> that have that in their personal account, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to shape, you know, um, the they're going to shape, you know, the the path of the market to any significant degree. So, you know, it could be your favorite CT influencer who is, uh, you know, trying to get in position or out of position, and they are not by any means a whale in the, uh, you know, the in in they're not a whale in the greater scheme of things. So. FTX bid wall still up, uh, so no interaction, which is one of the more, I guess, significant things to determine if you are paying attention to, and this is going to get more technical, if you are paying attention to passive order flow, if you're paying attention to what's, you know, sitting dormant on the books, um, it is important to understand that that is just, just an advertisement. It doesn't cost anything to place that. Uh, and what's meaningful is if, you know, when price moves to that level, do we see that, you know, does it stay? Does it adjust? Does it, you know? Does it uh, have intention of actually getting filled? So that's where you would want to pay attention if we actually approach that level. It, what it seems like more often than not is that when it's coming from FTX, um, that level gets front ran. And uh, again, it acts as some kind of you know turning point um, in the interim. <clears throat> uh, another thing that I will just point out because there's a lot of there's a lot of um, order flow platforms that are you know becoming very popular uh with crypto and, and something that you never i never had to deal with trading uh legacy markets because you know if you're trading equity index futures you're trading through the cme it's not like you're worried about what's taking place on you know this one random exchange where there's a lot of leverage and you have to consider the spot exchange there's so much fragmentation and disconnect in crypto i think that obviously it does help with regard to the alpha that's available um, but one thing you have to consider is that there's all these products that are coming out now. And uh, the one reason I, I referenced traditional markets is because I was trading, uh, the software I was using was trading technologies at, at one point. Um, and now there's, you know, there's a new product that comes out every week. So trading light is, is useful. I've been using this because I have, um, I, I've made a foray into trading alts more aggressively, not just swings, but trading them sort of similarly to how I would trade Bitcoin. Um, paying attention to things like open interest, delta, cumulative volume delta, and, and also, again, from time to time, paying attention to the heat map, which is kind of the last thing I look at, though. Uh, but if you're looking at trading light, um, just just a heads up, like I said, I, I was uh, wondering how quick the platform responded. Um, so what I did last week was I actually just uh, ran an experiment uh, with NEAR in particular. Um, I was placing... Uh, in order in the bid, uh, significantly far away from price to make sure that I, you know, accidentally wasn't traded into. I had no intention of getting filled. Um, I really maxed it out to, you know, to see it stand out. Um, when I placed the bid, uh, it, it showed 
almost instantaneously. So there was no latency, there was no lag or nothing that was obviously discernible to the naked eye. Uh, but when I removed the order, um, it took about 10 to 15 seconds each time. I did this about 10 times. So the range in, in latency or, or just the time that it took before uh, the order was actually canceled on the exchange and it showed up as removed on trading light. Again, talking about trading light was anywhere between 10 to 15 seconds. And as you can imagine, if this is something that you're looking at um, to create, you know, an action plan or uh, a bias, um, if you're weighing it heavily, consider that, you know, I, I guess I, I used this example last week, you know, it's sort of like uh, stars, right? You know, stars that are significant distances away from Earth, which all of them are, obviously, but um, they could be long gone and the light is still coming from them and it looks like they're still there. Well, in particular with uh, trading light, orders can be removed and it appears that they're still there. So you don't want to lean on them, I guess, too hard. Um, something to consider when you're within close proximity to them. If you're actually looking at a heat map uh, and, and you know, you're looking at the area in particular, in this case, between, let's say, it's, it's for BTC, it's like 41.2 up to 41.7. Um, if you're looking at that, what you would want to see, let's say we came down there, is it actually the passive, um, you know, participant, you know, that counterparty is actually being traded into, right? That bid is being hit into. Um, so someone's slamming the bid and you see that that is actually transacting. Um, so yeah, that's that. But, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that's been um, outperforming as of the last couple of weeks that is consistently still outperforming. You know, we have NEAR, we have FTM, Harmony. Um, these are sort of the new flavor of, um, you know, the flavor of the times, right? And, you know, as someone who's getting more aggressive trading alt, um, I, I've mentioned that one of the things that I think is important to do is that uh, you consider where you are in the greater, you know, scream of, scream of things, right? Greater scheme of things. Um, and that this context right now with rotations is, is probably different, right? We could say, uh, we can make, you know, a reasonable assumption that it's different than it would have been for Solana, AVAX, <clears throat> when things were sort of ripping a little, well, Solana more so, um, the earlier rotations more so because we had sort of these uh, secular tailwinds as a whole, um, had tailwinds from BTC, whereas now the rotations that are taking place, I think that you just have to, you know, the concept of uh, if you're going to, music still playing, you know, still dance, but stand near the door. Um, so I think it's important to keep in mind what's taking place in volumes and to keep your sort of finger on the pulse on social media, because uh, honestly, a lot of um, what I've noticed is you could you could do uh, a great deal of research on Twitter and um, and stay on the ball. At least half of the battle is won through social media and paying attention to where sort of, you know, skate where the fuck is going, not just, you know, looking onto a data feed and seeing how volume is changing. But if you actually pay attention to the narrative and, um, you know, what is sort of becoming uh, in vogue. So near FTM, Harmony, um, these all performing exceptionally. You know, I am aggressively trading them as well as having, uh, you know, a uh, spot bag as well. Um, my, you know, spot bags with alts, uh, I've always tried to capture sort of the meteor moves. But one thing I complained about was, you know, I am definitely someone who uh, has paper hands and sells too early. Um, you know, it's something I think we could all uh, relate to. Um, you know, you are 
trading things, uh, you know, the, the saying, you know, bought at six, sold at seven, bought at eight, sold at nine, bought at 11, sold at 12, right? And it would have been a lot better to just hold through that entire period. So one thing I'm doing is constantly looking back at things that, and not feeling any one way about them, but just recognizing that, damn, I, I traded that thing a lot and I should have just forgot about it. Like <laughs> I should have just went on vacation. Um, so interruption is honestly a pretty good thing if you're a swing trader, because looking at the computer all day is not beneficial. Um, but the market looks it looks decent right now. Uh, the one thing that I think is, you know, just from a high time frame standpoint, you know, BTC came into probably the most significant contextual level on the chart, um, you know, as far as that weekly high or low. Uh, so 40K, that 40K handle, significant round number, very significant, I'd say, psychological level. You know, it was a significant level on the way up in our transition from the range breakdown, you know, that we, the range we created post May breakdown. Um, it's a weird uh, inflection I put on breakdown. Um, but, uh, you know, that 40K handle, I think, is significant. So, you know, the best areas to get involved are honestly where the market looks like it is the worst area to come to, right? That's sort of, uh, you know, I say important contextual level. We, you know, some people call it an inflection point or, you know, major higher time frame market structure tends to be the area where you see, um, so weekly levels, they tend to be the area where you see a ton of participation come into the market because, these are levels that, you know, every kind of participant can get involved around. Um, so as I mentioned before, you know, if you're a scalper, you're not really, if you're a scalper, you could be in the middle of nowhere, right? And you could take advantage of small rotations and you're not really probably going to, you're not really going to run into anyone of, of any kind of major size or influence in the market because um, it's costly for them to get involved in areas where it's not, you know, ripe with liquidity and, and you're not going to see, you know, someone swinging around, or, you know, a, a ton of capital. Um, in an intraday range that is not, you know, you know, sitting in a, a nice area of market structure or there's no major catalyst, no reason for it. Uh, whereas a higher time frame level, you know, significant pivots, you know, these important contextual levels, these are areas where everyone gets involved. It's like one of the good examples is an all time high, you know, break of an all time high. It's a trade for everybody. It's a trade that says everybody who ever sold is wrong. Um, it's, you know, typically. It, across most markets, um, it's a positive EV trade to get long break of all-time high, right? So, you know, have a higher time frame close through it. It's going to have some, you know, gyration and a good amount of noise. But uh, more often than not, it says to everybody who's ever sold it that it's still alive and it's thriving. So, you know, typically we see things continue. It depends on the amount of time, obviously. But just an example of an important contextual level. So these lows are, I'd say, very significant. Because otherwise you're breaking back within a prior range that we, you know, dogged it out over and um, you accept back into a range. Just consider it like, um, you know, it's a well, right? Uh, or a, um, uh, it's a, you know, uh, like a low point in the ground, right? And if, if water approaches a low point, where's it going to, what's it going to do? It's, it's going to sort of find that low point. Um, and I, I guess this is a hard, you know, analogy to make because I'm not drawing something, but I, from time to time on my streams, I'll draw like a, looks like a half pipe or like um, if you were looking at a, if you were like an astrophysics student, you might consider like a gravity well, um, but it's uh, an indentation. And as you approach the edge, right, there might be a small lip that keeps us out. But once you fall over that side, once you fall back into a range, it's, it's more than likely you're going to sort of fall back into the same behavior that you were in in the range prior. Um, which is finding balance, right? That's what the market's trying to do is trying to find agreement. Uh, and a trend is really a trend is, you know, example of a market that's in disagreement, um, a market that hasn't absorbed all information, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So 
Anyway, um, got a little long-winded there. Take calls in a minute, but everything looks, uh, I would say, decent. Um, the one thing that I think is important to keep your eye on right now, and I think it's just an expectation moving forward for uh, the foreseeable future, um, is a choppy, uh, you know, equity index um, or choppy, choppy indices. Just put it that way. I focus on the ES, but look at the DAC, look at the Russell, look at the S&P, and BTC is trading. Sort of like uh, Bitcoin's become like uh, it's almost like a 2x ETF on the S&P. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, because especially I've said sort of the, the you know, crypto is, as as was put, I think, by um, Arthur Hayes. It's sort of like a smoke alarm, the one true smoke alarm left in the market because the most accessible risk asset. Um, but it is um, it. Uh, God, I, almost, I think I just lost my train of thought. Um, it's the the VIX, I think, is sort of the canary in the coal mine for crypto. So, and I, I guess that's not a good example because by the time the VIX is elevated, the crypto is already feeling it. So it's not like you have too much of a, a lag between um, you know vol in, in legacy markets and you know, that translating over to crypto. But point is, I think a lot hinges on legacy. And I, what I would just say is like you have a lot of stuff that is you know, there's a lot of dispersion. Um, things are behaving more idiosyncratically. Uh, but the S&P represents systematic risk to a, you know, uh, to, to crypto as a whole uh, when we're talking about moves that are, you know, multiple standard deviation moves. Um, so if we have a choppy legacy market, it just makes for what is likely going to be a choppy Bitcoin. And, you know, there's going to be things that outperform BTC, but I think for 90% of assets, you're going to see that they're, you know, pretty strong, you know, they're strongly correlated to, uh, to BTC. So um, a couple other things. and, and then I'll just start in a minute taking questions, you know, open it up. Uh, two things. Um, one thing I noticed this morning, there's news that 70% of crypto holders are actually, their first introduction of crypto is 2021. So, I mean, that, you know, that gives us pretty significant range of prices. Um, and why I'm saying that is because the worst thing that you would see is that, you know, majority of people that are crypto holders got involved you know locally right around 55 and above right um you know they could represent a significant amount of overhead pressure but overhead supply rather um although i'm sure there's a pretty uh skewed distribution in terms of what you know most crypto holders hold versus what whales hold obviously um but since 2021 Right. So since the beginning of 2021, and if you just go back all the way to January 2021, where were we at? We were at like twenty thousand um, dollars. It was before did we break the all time high 2021 January. Right. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't have a chart right in front of me. But uh, so that's interesting. And then another thing is uh, Rio de Janeiro. One percent of the balance sheet, I believe, uh, into Bitcoin. So Rio's GDP is like 10x El Salvador. Um, and, you know, I think that works out to uh, who mentioned it this morning in a small group I'm in, um, Split Capital, as uh, the had said something along the lines of that being, you know, $54 million. Because I made a joke and I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I wonder what they threw at it. You know, that's probably the personal, the, the PA of a CT trader, um, just because there's a lot more wealth now in CT. And, and you see El Salvador's allocation is like, it's not small, but... <laughs> I think it's uh it's comical when you know like an, a random avatar that trades DeFi that's you know trading thirty million dollars and you know El Salvador has like what 
15 million or 11 million dollars of BTC. Anyway, uh, I'm going to open up the uh, the floor. We'll uh, take some calls. So if any of you want to hop in, ask questions, take it wherever you want to. Like I said, there's no there's no rules as far as what we talk about. It would get really boring if all we did was talk about technicals. And the last couple of weeks, I think the last three, we talked about macro. And I'm not, you know, it's not my area of competence. I don't, it was a period where I got pretty distanced from it. And it was because crypto was not behaving the way it is now, which is more correlated. So as someone who was trading legacy originally and sort of moving away from that, now getting back into it, um, it's not my area of competence. Uh, and macro is just like a, it's a, you know, a 10 headed dragon, but um, I don't want to go too far into the macro. It's all we talked about in the last few call-ins. Uh, you know, at this point, it's like the only thing that's not priced in is, you know, the possibility that, <laughs> that there's no rate hikes. Right. Um, but anyway, so someone we're 20 minutes in, I just went on a long solo uh, I'd be happy to take a call though. I'll leave it open. So we got a bunch of people in here, so. All right. Keep going, what's up, buddy? Consistent. Yeah. There you go. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, hey, what's up, man? Can you hear me? Hey. Yeah, of course. Um, Really basic question. Um, so we've got uh, MLK Day on Monday. What are your thoughts on trading like extended weekends? Is it just kind of like take it as it goes, or you know, sketchy price action? Probably sit it out if you're not really convicted on taking any trades. Uh, I mean, I, I tend to look at these things in advance and say like, ah, it's a good time to not do anything because the market's going to be there's going to be less activity. Um, but then ultimately when we approach that, you know, whatever holiday it is or, you know, reason for, you know, uh, less participation, I, I just play it by ear. Um, right. I, I don't think it's a, you know, I don't think it's going to be something that significantly impacts any kind of, uh, you know, um, alt behavior. Um, I would say that, you know, Bitcoin is one thing that I, one thing I would say is like, and it's something that um, I am used to at this point, someone who's primarily had been trading BTC intraday for a long time and just trying to swing alts. Um, with Bitcoin, like if that's your, if you're just trading Bitcoin, then yeah, you're going to have to start treating the, you know, the economic calendar and, you know, the, the, you know, normal legacy market schedule as, you know, the Bitcoin schedule as well. Cause you know, you already see that it, uh, it moves pretty much in tandem with legacy lately. Um, yeah. And that's, so that's one of the things I've been getting better at, like keeping the uh, the Forex calendar open and like, oh, like Brainerd's going to probably talk doom and gloom, probably going to set some bids for altcoins. Like, yeah, um, that's that's been a nice like little uh, like flow to get into. But yeah, in terms of like, I don't know, like I uh, I was having a really, really good uh, few weeks end of November into December with like like I had recently like got my shit together with like tweaking the system I have. And it's not anything super sophisticated, but like I was getting like really, really good results from it. And then I, uh, I got punished really bad for like um, not over trading, but like trading when I probably should have just like hung out with family for the holidays. And I was like, Oh, yeah. this makes total sense. Like, why am I looking at the fucking 
like five minute chart on ETH when I could just not do anything and not lose money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. one thing that like, is so anyone who is yeah, like, and not talking to you specifically, but when someone's getting started, you know, the, the best thing they could do is focus on, you know, learning just a couple different approaches, not a couple approaches, but, you know, maybe some simple trading opportunities. And then, you know, your first go to is usually like market structure or some kind of crossover trend following system. And the thing is, you know, there's only going to be so many opportunities. Right. So then you expand your approach, add a little bit more to, you know, that duffel bag of, of not necessarily strategies or not necessarily styles, but different strategies, different um, things that you could take trades off of. And then you still are going to approach a point where those things are not showing up. And I think what you just have to, it's like something that I do too. It's like at some point, nothing is setting up and prices in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, you start looking for an opportunity as if the market's like a tree and you get to just shake it and, you know, pull money out of it. Um, so that's like, definitely, uh, it's something that's definitely is a discipline thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because there's plenty of times when there's really nothing happening, you know, it's, and you're just wasting your time at the computer at that point. And honestly, I think it's like, you get my, my clarity that I want to bring period to the, you know, to the desk is it's, it's used up by that waste of energy, right? You only have like, you only have so much bandwidth, right? I use that term a lot, like so much bandwidth. There's a, you know, same conservation of energy, like in anything else. Um, so if you don't have anything, you know, don't try to force it because then you start making mistakes when you force it. You know, that's when you start having like, you know, if I if I have my area mapped out and I see where I want to get involved and where it seems like everyone else wants to get involved. And, you know, if we're not near there, that's when you start like getting into style drift where you're like looking at, you, you know, you're just like swinging. You're more prone to swinging for the fences and chasing things and, you know, following an alt that's already been up 20 percent. Um, so yeah, you do have to just get used to sometimes having nothing to do. Yeah, for sure. Cool, man. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Good talking to you again. All right. Who else? Step up. Marathon. What's up, buddy? Marathon. I think you were the rates trader. Rates swap trader. Can't remember. Kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I trade <laughs> swaps. How are you? Um, yeah, not interested in talking macro today either. <laughs> We've had, had plenty of that. But <laughs> so burnt out lately. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, so I've seen you've kind of hopped into buy and hold on some kind of more mid cap alts. I mean, I've been in FXS as well, but um, I've kind of been riding the, the Tetra coins, the Dopex and um, Car Redacted or whatever that Ohm Fork is as well. I mean, they're so decorrelated now. I'm just curious your thoughts as far as how long that can last. And, um, you know, I, I haven't really been in the uh, alt layer, the, the new alt layer one trade as much. But, um, you know, it seems like there's kind of a renaissance of some of these DeFi uh, protocols that have, you know, a substantial roadmap ahead. Um, you know, even through market weakness, they've been pretty strong. Uh, just curious how long, you know, you think that trade might be able to run. Yeah. So this is something that's, it's it's something that I'm working on. And it's newer to me because, like I said, like my I've been really good in the past at like spotting the point A to point B opportunities and alts, and then you know patting myself on the back after I close out a good trade and it runs like 10x more. Um, and and what's required to obviously hop on the or to hold for the long run 
for these longer plays is some kind of belief in the fundamentals, even if they're absent, right? If the narrative, right? Playing the sort of Keynesian beauty contest, that's something that like I tried to be good at in the past and I never was. Um, and I really, I started outsourcing to smarter people in the market that just consistently hit uh, as, you know, as far as how long it, it lasts. And I don't mean outsourcing, like following other people's trades, but trying to follow where the attention is um, by, you know, curating a good list of people that have their finger on the pulse. As far as how long it lasts, I think I posted about this just recently. Like, I one thing that was like memed out of existence was the concept of like an alt season. Um, as the market matures, it's inevitable that it's going to become, I think, more, uh, there'll be more decorrelation, more sort of, um, uh, you know, more dispersion, so long as, you know, vol levels are, you know, within reason, right? If, if we're experiencing, you know, a, a liquidity event in legacy, like your alts are probably going to get smashed. Um, and I see arguments on a timeline all the time. I saw an argument between them. Uh, I'm in a group with uh, Jeff Dorman and um, who's the other guy who's uh, Jordy and Jeff is big about all outperformance and Jordy's a big BTC guy and they argue about, you know, whether or not historical uh, data is worth interpreting because, you know, Bitcoin goes to 20K again, everything's going to get hurt. I, I think we are at a point where alts have a lot more legs to run. I think the market does have a more value bid than it ever did. And I think that's just like inevitable as time passes and these protocols actually do, you know, there's a, a lot of garbage, but they're just, I think the passage of time alone implies that certain things will hit, right? They, certain things will be legitimate projects that are, you know, the Apple, Google, Amazon, you know, Fang um, of, of the crypto market. And I think that it is, a lot of it is more, I think it's, I think, well, so in 2017, there was like white papers, right? Or 2016, 17, um, that, you know, first major alt run up, there was just white papers. Um, you know, it was more to it than that, but this time around they're actual, and they're not different because they're all the same, like different DEXs and different yield platforms. It's like, okay, it's a snake eating a snake at this point. It's all the same shit, but you could actually use something, right? You could, you know, use something, get airdrops from it, you know, test out a platform. There's a little bit more, um, it's a little bit more tangible, which I think makes uh, it inspires more of a value approach. You know, if now looking at now looking at um, platforms and, and focusing on revenue, um, there's more of this sort of fundamental lens that has come into the crypto market. And I think that the same way that that provides like a thicker bid in legacy, it'll provide more of a bid in crypto. Um, because people are not just buying. There's, I, I want to. It's hard to say this because I, I think so many people still are. Price is value in crypto, right? Like higher prices beget higher prices, lower prices beget lower prices. It's, it doesn't have the same effect that equities do, where it's like on the way down. There's all this vol suppression by different participants, right? You have like HFT, you know, CTA, trend followers, and then your value bid. That's like I'm buying Apple if it drops 25% because it's a fucking awesome company, right? So I think that that's going to be more prevalent in crypto. And I think that if we had legs for a long time in 2017 to 2018, um, that now being that there's so much more capital in the space, that there's just a larger wealth effect. And that as long as Bitcoin isn't doing anything that is, you know, uh, egregious, 
um, that we'll see that these rotations can persist for a really long time. The question is, are they, are they still rotations though, or are there going to be really things that really just leave the rest of the market behind? And I, I don't know, honestly, like, I don't feel like I have a good enough um, handle on projects uh, specifically yet to have that belief. Like I'm, I'm doing more research, but I like, I, it's kind of silly to say it's, it's like, it's um, trivial to call it research, honestly, because I'm like a very technical order flow driven trader. And now I'm starting to, it's a little bit of style drift, honestly. I'm starting to try to look into Altimore that are, um, that are sort of being romanced by the market. And I'm almost like I'm trying to look into them more so that I start buying it more. Like a way to trick myself into holding these things so that I don't sell near before, you know, it, I'm, you know, if I am in, um, a group of 20 people that have significantly changed the crypto market through their, you know, through their presence. And they're all telling me that here's going to go to 50. Like, I don't, I feel like a moron to sell uh, much earlier than that. So I start digging in more and, and trying to, I guess, um, you know, uh, try to, what's, what, what's the word I want to use? Not delude my, it's almost like I'm trying to trick myself into holding. I think this can last much longer, honestly. Um, I do think that there's clearly a different environment now. Um, there's no like rising tide, but I, I, I don't think there's a problem with that. I think there's enough wealth that's coming into this market. You just look at the amount of raises that are taking place. And, you know, I have some friends, um, I have some friends in these groups that, you know, I can't get into specific detail, but they're, they're coming back every single day talking about how much capital is coming in. That's not even coming in like looking to get into ETH or BTC, but is, you know, but wants exposure to like these L1s that, you know, were 50 times cheaper over a year ago. So I think it does have legs, honestly. Um, I think that this could persist. And I think that the market overall is just part of a maturing market is you're going to see that it does what markets do, which is become more, you know, sectioned and there'll be more specific sectors and more idiosyncratic behavior as a whole. And then BTC is kind of like BTC and ETH are like the, you know, they're like the index, right? BTC is like the Dow or trades like a treasury at this point, right? So yeah. I think it could last for a significant amount of time. I think another thing I'm thinking about is just, you know, could there be a repricing of kind of the application layer relative to the settlement layer, even if it's like ETH DeFi, uh, if you have some killer apps pop up and gain a huge amount of market share, could those start pricing closer to uh, some of the more off the run alt l1s that you know still have pretty high market caps compared to really useful protocols on some of the big chains and uh you know that i mean if that did become the case then it could seriously reprice some quality DeFi protocols yeah i mean that's something this is something that i like i said i don't have um i don't have enough experience in this area to really start talking about it without sounding like a moron and when i say that i'm getting into baltimore now like i am starting you know, from not square one, but, but yeah, basically square one from um, just how these applications work, what's relevant. Uh, you know, I know what's important in terms of, you know, paying attention to how much supply is going to come into the market and sort of ha find my way around and try to figure that out. Looking at things like FDV, for example, which, you know, depending on context is something that could get run over for a really long time where that's, you know, blown out. Um, and then if you're in a context like we are right now, it kind of matters because it's like, all right, you have a lot of you know supply coming into the market with some of these pairs that are really overextended. 
Um, but this is not something I think that I could really get into in much depth without sort of stepping out of my my circle of comfort, we'll say. <laughs> but um, what I will say is there's, there's probably, a, I would say there's likely going to be a repricing to some degree of when you talk about the actual protocol and the applications on the protocol, uh, because, you know, from it just from, I guess, a not a common sense standpoint, I think that it, an application shouldn't be worth more than the protocol is worth, right? Um, but I don't know, like I like I said, it's just something where I just start getting out of my uh, my field. I apologize though. <laughs> no worries, thanks. Thanks, bud. All right. Who else? Who's next? So this is how these work. I mean, I go on, I take calls, and then if there's like the lull, then we just wrap it up. It's sort of like the you're making popcorn. It's like that five seconds where it stops popping. It's like, all right, it's done. Dave, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? I, hey, what's up, man? I don't know if I'm doing this right. Can you hear me? Right. Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> I haven't used this app very much, but um, yeah, man. Uh, I've just been doing a lot lately. With uh, hope you're doing well, by the way. Um, too, thanks, man. I've been doing a lot lately with um, some yield farming, leverage yield farming, staking, things like that, and I'm I'm having a an epiphany moment, kind of like it sounds like you've been having with regards to uh some rotation of capital and effort, really effort and focus over to um, alts. I'm doing a similar thing with staking and DeFi and yield. And I'm just wondering if you've spent much time in that space, if you've looked at it much, uh, I'm kind of realizing there's, there's some pretty cool and creative ways to get Delta neutral on some of this stuff that provides a, a pretty impressive return without some of the headache and the, the focus that I've been spending. And that's thinking back to that, <clears throat> that uh, post you made a while ago about whether you consider yourself a trader or an analyst and my transition to becoming an analyst versus a trader, partially just from uh, a need to simplify my own life and kind of gain some of my time back now that I don't feel like I have as much to prove there to myself. Um, and I'm just wondering if you've, spent much time there if you've if you've dug in, into that at all and what your thoughts were on that space if you had no honestly i haven't uh, i haven't spent much time at all except for the last i would say week or two where i've started looking more into just capturing yield honestly even on things like stable points um and it's something like like you were saying i mean i wish that i divided up even a fraction more i mean after a two-year-long bull market like have no complaints like it's been it's been awesome um but you know in hindsight looking back on it just thinking about if i spent a little bit more time you know focusing on that one particular area um because when i think about how just for example like you know i'm pretty spread out um a bunch of different uh bunch of different wallets you know i've traded on bunch of different exchanges and at some point always had like a stack that was just sitting right um and why did i not 
consider, you know, when the market was by all means like up only, why not just have at least a, you know, a portion of that in I now looking back, like why wouldn't I put a significant portion of that in some of these protocols to, to generate yield? And I think like part of, part of it is always like for me with alt um, and, and it's a hang up because now it's, you know, clear that these things have to a degree been proven. Like there's, there's not like much major risk. Um, but part of me was always skeptical about like locking up money in any of these uh, because I don't know anything about, you know, the code, how to audit them, how to even start from square one to make an assumption about the, the you know, the underlying, um, which is something that I could have ultimately, and I think a lot of people do. Uh, and it's like one thing you could do on Twitter fairly easily if you have the right, you know, you know if you're following the right people, just learn through osmosis. But there are, um, I, I guess one thing I should have done is, is follow more people that were doing this earlier uh, and sort of ride their coattails to a degree, at least from an education standpoint. But I was very skeptical in the beginning. And it's something that I think uh, is like a stigma that alts have carried um, with them, regardless of where they are now, like still, you know, not we're in a position where and it's like the equity markets like this too, though, where like a lot of stuff is just garbage, right? It's just vaporware. Um, so what I should have done and what I wish I did was, I, I guess, be more discerning and recognizing that like that's the distribution and everything and that there's some great opportunities out there that I should have been in earlier. Um, now I'm looking at it like and I, I had this conversation with someone just the other day. It was like, you know, we were talking about taxes, for example, uh, and we were talking about paying quarterly taxes. Right. So, you know, most people don't realize in crypto, you're supposed to be paying quarterly taxes. Now, there's a lot of people who are investors and traders that don't pay quarterly taxes because the quarterly tax penalty is it's something that while it's not negligible, um, it is something that if you're uh, if you're generating, you know, any kind of return in the market, you can probably beat it. Um, and it pro it's probably worth it for you to have your capital deployed, whether it's tied up in investments currently or you're actively trading. Um, so one of the conversations was like, if you have, you know, smart thing to do is to put your tax money aside and, and don't get caught up in a position like people did in 2018, where they didn't have their tax money aside and then they lost it. And, you know, it's outside of a calendar year and, and they have to, you know, they have to reconcile those taxes. Um, so one of the things is, you know, take that tax money and why not put that tax money in something that's generating yield? Now, obviously it's, you know, still the hang up of what if, right? What if you have your money exposed into this, you know, DeFi platform and something happens? I don't know if the point, like with me, it's like, I don't know enough to say whether or not that's even a dumb statement, right? Where there are people that they know, like with the level of certainty that compound finance or convex finance or, you know, whatever, uh, is a legitimate platform that has no real risk right now. Um, and I guess one of the uh, one of the uh, clear indications of that is the amount of money that's tied up in it, right? It's sort of like wisdom of the crowds, but that doesn't that didn't necessarily work out in a lot of other cases in history and markets. Um, but yeah, I mean, just thinking about hey, if you had your tax money to the side, why not generate yield on that, like before you pay your tax? So something as simple yeah. as that. Um, and I've I've been looking into you know ways of earning yield as you know as of the last two weeks a bit more aggressively now i was on you know all 
think of any exchange, right? Most exchanges now for the last six months have been offering some form of yield, right? Like uh, FTX, Binance, um, you know, uh, some of the derivative platforms, uh, Femax, you know, you could park, uh, you know, park your capital in there that's normally be in stable coins and, and generate, you know, 8.5, you know, obviously APY, but the, the thing is like during, I guess another thing is, and sorry for going a little rant, when, when the market was ripping, it was also a matter of opportunity cost, which is another reason why now it's more compelling, you know, because when the market's ripping, I didn't think of farming as a very attractive definitely yeah. capital, you know, Same. it's like to be capital efficient and put it in a place where it goes, it works the most. Um, but now it's like uh, farming sounds really attractive and it's still relatively obscure to most retail participants. Um, yeah. So it could be the thing that a lot of people end up still crushing it in while the rest of retail is like still losing their hats, trading directionally, you know, punting alts. So definitely something that I'm more interested in and, you know, open to learning from anybody who is uh, really proficient in it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't say I'm proficient. I started rotating pretty hard into that about uh, probably six weeks ago. Um, and started a, another business with another friend of mine, um, who's now, I think he's in block Roots now too, but anyway, um, but yeah, we should, we should talk about it offline, man. It's, it's pretty, obviously you're exposed to counterparty risk and that's really your, your main risk. Um, there's a lot of Delta neutral stuff you can do both creative Delta neutral and, and just basic kind of obvious Delta neutral stuff that you can get into that generates 70 to 200%, um, and we should we should talk about it, man, because yeah, that sounds it's very it's good. pretty. <laughs> my my eyes are like wide open now, and I'm like, what? I mean, I, I did fine as a trader, but yeah, anymore, I'm like, okay, wait a second. So we're going to value proposition investments, you know, longer term theses in in some alts that I can actually get behind and believe in because there's there's some actual returns, and as you said mentioned earlier is a tangible product associated with it that I can play with. And in addition to that, I, I can, you know, take some calculated bets there and then diversify, you know, as well into some yield generating stuff. And I'm kind of sitting here thinking, yeah, I remember why I didn't do this opportunity cost, but I basically went flat at 58 and haven't looked back since then um, on Bitcoin, other than kind of dabbling in some of the phone stuff and some of the, Solana Vax and you know a few other small things here and there, um, and and I'm so I have just like you all this capital parked on all these different exchanges scattered around you know ten different places, and I'm like this you know this isn't gonna this isn't gonna do for the next several quarters so let's make it happen and and I'll tell you what I'm I have realized like wow I have it, it was not an actual it was not an opportunity cost I was mistaken about that. I, I should have gotten into this sooner. So anyway, yeah, if you want to chat about it sometime, we can chat about it on Telegram. But I was just wondering if you had, had dabbled there much because it's a it's pretty cool, man, some of the stuff that's going on. Yeah, that sounds uh that sounds great, man. And you know, it's funny because uh one thing that it's now obviously ever present is for all the capital that you have parked up, like you have a pretty significant hurdle to jump already with inflation, you know. So you're going to yep. keep money in, you know, obviously if you keep money in, in, in BTC, you know, the, the compound annual growth rate of BTC has been pretty good. But um, as far as like parking stables after, you know, closing out and getting flat, like 
there's really uh, it's, uh, hard. It's hard to make a case against not generating something if it is again, the, it is counterparty risk that you're dealing with. But it's like um, that is you have that on FTX and Binance too, yeah, though. <laughs> right, and that's a lot of the reason why crypto has as much yield as it does to begin with. It's because yeah, not yep. not everyone's w willing to sort of jump through that hoop. But we, as people who have been here and sort of incumbents, know that it's not really that. It's like I'm not really worried about like FTX, you know. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. You know, I'm not really worried about about Binance. But yeah, let's talk about that um, because it's definitely something that uh, I would like to get more exposure to. Cool, man. Yeah, hit me up. I uh, I just kind of popped up here because you said you were going to end it, and I was I was sitting here. I was actually doing a Romwad <laughs> like uh like I was talking with you about the other day, but um, yeah. The uh, I just thought I'd I'd throw that up there as a as a thought. But anyway, hope you have a great day. Thanks, dude. You too, man. All right, guys. We're about uh, an hour into it. No one's aggressively jumping at the podium, so no one else wants to open up. Then uh, we'll end it. Give it a second just in case there's a lag. All right. I guess we'll wrap it up. Um, as far as just general market right now, uh, yeah, everything looks everything looks pretty decent. Like I said, as as far as as far as BTC goes, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the ES chart and I'm looking at BTC, and I. I'd be a liar if I didn't say it time to time. I was literally just trading the ES chart uh, and the BTC DOM um, because that's how tight they've been. Um, as far as alts um, near FTM, the things that I don't want to do with these are just trade them from level to level like I have been. So it's taking a lot from it. So one thing I've been doing um, is just completely taking time away from trading BTC. Like I took a bunch of trades this morning. Uh, but for me to really, I guess, feel confident about holding alts um, for a significant amount of time. And like when I say significant amount of time for me, it's like if I make it past a week, a week and a half with alts, um, that is that is significant for me. And it's good when you get paid right away, like when you're in a position and it gets away from you and it's like, OK, I'm, I'm paid. Like, you know, it, it reminds me of like, you know, I've been long, you know on the entire most of the run-up uh you know exposed to to btc uh and eth uh and it's just one point it was like you just forget about the volatility but with alts you know if they're already up significantly and you're getting in it's hard to sort of feel very comfortable which i guess is really where the the rub comes in when it comes to being i guess a bit more fundamentally driven and have more of a finger on the pulse there um but with the alts that um you know, exposed to, I've been more actively trading them intraday, sort of just trading around the core position. Um, so for example, I was uh, sharing um, near before uh, and sharing my scaling in into uh, a long position and right on the opposite side at 2050, uh, I closed that position out, right? Intention of closing the entire thing out, I actually didn't get filled all the way up. I ended up closing out mostly at market. Um, but trying to trade around them as much as possible uh, and just focusing less on Bitcoin as a whole. It's, it's, you know, it's fun whenever there's, um, you know, 
again, when there's a significant amount of, uh, of volatility, but it just doesn't seem like uh, that's where most of the attention is. And that's where I want to be is where most of most of the attention is, where most of the volume is being done. Um, and there's no excuse anymore in terms of size, because a lot of the, these alts, uh, you know, they're you could trade them with, you know, significant amount of capital and and, and get away without, you know, slipping away. You know, maybe the way that they were in the past, uh, there's a lot more depth overall. Uh, so that's that, though. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I shared, uh, so some of the things that I've been sharing recently, uh, Fuse is one where I'm, you know, I, sh I shared that a couple times in the last week. I think I'm trying to hype myself up to stay in the position as long as possible. Um, I shared the platform. They, uh, it's a sub 200 million market cap L1. Um, not, remember, this is not financial advice. I already have a significant position. You know, God knows when I'm going to sell. I, I could paper hand this thing, trying not to. Um, sub $200 million market cap. Uh, significant announcement that's coming up. We know that these are with alts, smaller alts are not necessarily, you know, completely priced in. It's not exactly an efficient market, you know, an efficient market. Uh, Gene Fama would roll over, right? Um, that, we also have uh, Volt Airdrop that is in the works, I believe. Um, no listings on centralized exchanges. And for me, it's always nice when the chart looks uh, really attractive. So I'm doing my best, guys. I'm trying to hold on to something, uh, prove to myself that I can. Uh, and Fuse is so far doing quite well. Um, other than that, I don't have any, much of anything else. Like I don't like to have line items. Um, so I, I can't, I, I don't know how some people do it where they have like, 20 positions open. I can't even keep track of like my spot wallets. Um, I'm, I'm starting to consolidate all of them because it's just too many, too many wallets with, you know, certain amount of crypto in this one. You know, forget about that. I have this wallet on, you know, uh, my other computer. I forgot to take that over. Um, so uh, I don't like to have too many line items. I don't like to manage too much. So for me, it's like three alts at a time, which is like, I guess one of the, that's been the case with the rotations that it's like two to three pairs, right? Um, so I like to be exposed. That's the, that's probably the maximum, right? Two to three. Pushing it if we're at four. I'm willing to hold on to really small caps because, I mean, it doesn't pay to get in and out of them too much and, you know, you throw a small amount of capital out and it could go a long way. But anyway, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, this will be shared, um, the recording will be shared uh, after it's done, I guess, processing. And since today's Friday, we'll hop on again. Um, let's say we'll hop on again after the Monday open. So until then, everyone have a uh, fantastic weekend. Uh, I wish you all well and uh, stay profitable.